Welcome. We're really, really glad that you're here. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 we're doing this preppers thing. We're talking about what happens after you die. It's kind of important. These three guys were having this, this moment one night. I, I, I don't know why. They were having a deep moment. Guys either have a deep moment when they've drank too much, it's really, really late, or dust in the wind came on. Uh, one of these three things happened. And they're having this moment, and, and, and one of them says, you know, what do you, what do you want people to say about you after you've died? Uh, you know, well, let's just say that you just passed away. You're lying in the hospital bed and everybody, all your family's around. What do you want them to say about you? And the first guy said, well, I, you know, I'm a teacher. I, I want them to say he was a really good teacher. He took care of his kids. He passed on knowledge to the next generation. The second guy said, I, I, I want him to say I was a good family man. I mean, my family's the most important thing, you know. I mean, I was a good husband. I was a good father. Third guy said, I want him to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> right? He's not dead yet. That's what I want him to say. Because, because when we think about prep, prepping for heaven, we don't really want to deal with that. I mean, we, you know, like it's finally decent weather in Chicago, so we want to, like, you know, hang out here for a little while. Take us to heaven in January. You know, right now we're, we're okay, right? But, but one of these days it's going to be just like this. Listen, I tell you a mystery, Paul says. We'll not sleep, all of us, but we will all be changed. In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. And the mortal with immortality. Because when that happens, perishable clothes with imperishable. And the mortal with immortality, which is what we're always looking for. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. See, on our way to judgment day, one day, there's going to be a, a, a giant alarm clock, you know, in heaven. Sounds like the trumpet call of God. And it will be time to get up. How, how, how do you do that? How do you get up in the morning? Uh, Michael Scott on The Office came up with the best idea I think ever. Do you remember this? He said he wanted to wake up to the smell of bacon, so he put his George Foreman grill on a timer and put bacon on it. Uh, somebody thought that was a good idea. They've actually invented the bacon alarm clock. You put bacon in there, the timer goes off, and you wake up to the smell of bacon. It's still in prototype. I couldn't buy it. But someday, the, the camping trip that we're on is over. This little sleepover that we're on is going to be over, and, and we're going to wake up, and we're going to be in our place where we're supposed to be. This tent that we live in, Paul said, it's going to be destroyed, and when it is, we have this building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I mean, I'll be a brick uh -uh, house. Uh -uh, uh. That's where the song came from. You know that? Commodores were inspired by Paul. This is what we're looking right now. This is a tent. It doesn't work very good. Someday we're going to be in a brick house. This is temporary. That is eternal. That's why Paul goes on to say, we groan now. We long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. And for a while we're in this tent, we groan and we're burdened and we don't wish to be unclothed. We want to be clothed, right? Who wants to be naked? We want to be in our heavenly dwelling, the place we're supposed to be, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God Himself. That's where we're all headed is for that. He gave us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You catch all the symbolism of the temporary. We groan, we're longing, we want to be clothed, right? What is nakedness? I mean, it's a symbol of insecurity, right? I mean, after the garden, it became a symbol of insecurity. You ever have those dreams where you, uh, you know, you, what, you, you show up at church and you don't have any pants on? You ever have those dreams or is that just me? 
I guess that's just me. I, you know, what, what is that? Okay. That's an insecurity dream. Maybe for you it was school or whatever. It's like you weren't ready for a test and you dreamed that night that you walked into school without any pants on, right? You, you did that at some point. That's insecurity. We long to have our perfect heavenly body, to be clothed in our brick house, to be in the place where we always want to be. On the earth we groan. That's what happens now. You know, and we have a happy sigh when we get to heaven. On earth we long for the things of heaven. In heaven we're fulfilled. On earth we're burdened. In heaven we're free. That's the way the whole thing works. In heaven we're like Pinocchio when he becomes a real boy. You know, I mean, remember all that? You know, finally, that's what he was always longing for. That was it. And so what will it be like someday? Do you ever think about it? What will it be like to go hiking with Lonnie Cahay, our pastoral care pastor? who's been in a wheelchair since he was 19 because of an automobile accident. Well, what's it going to be like? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that the first thing Lonnie's going to do when he gets to heaven is beat me up. <laughs> and, and I will deserve it, um, don't you think? I mean, I will, because right now he can't catch me, so I do stuff to him. But, <laughs> but in heaven, he'll beat me up, and then we'll all be okay. And, and that's going to be, that, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the, that's the brick house, okay? What's it going to be like someday for me to be able to sit down and talk with my friend Melissa Seafelt, who was born with CP, who can right now only talk to me through the aid of a computer device where she programs things in and nod her head a little bit. What's it going to be like to meet her twin sister that never got a chance to live here on this earth? What's all that going to be like? What's it going to be like for you to dance with your husband in heaven who's been crippled up by arthritis? What's it going to be like to dance with your husband at all? Because you know we will no longer be white in heaven. You know this, right? <laughs> the curse is gone. You can quote me on that. That's a tweet for you. The curse, uh, yeah. Uh, well, all those things are going to change. All those things are going to be different. Do you understand that? Uh, Johnny Erickson taught us confined to a wheelchair, quadriplegic, since she was a, a kid, a, a swimming accident. She said, I, with shriveled bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have my new body. And it will be light and bright and clothed in righteousness and powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope that this gives someone to a spinal cord injured person like me? Or someone who is cerebral palsied or brain injured or has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, new hearts, and new minds. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can people find such incredible hope. Johnny tells of speaking to a class of mentally handicapped Christians, and she said, they thought it was great when I said they were going to get a new body, but then she added, and you're going to get new minds. And the class broke out in cheers and applause. They knew they wanted a new mind. We get it all someday. There's a lot of questions about what's going to happen up there, and so I borrowed uh, an idea. I, I borrowed it before my friend Kyle Eidelman of the banquet table, okay? I, I mean, there's a lot of questions, so I'm going to answer it by telling you who's going to be at, at my table in heaven, okay? Um, Revelation 19 tells us that there's going to be the wedding supper of the Lamb, 
right? It tells us we're going to eat in heaven. I'm happy about that, right? At the, at, the, at the wedding supper of the Lamb, I mean, think about that. Like a wedding celebration is usually like the biggest party that you ever have. I mean, it's fun. Your friends, your family are there. The electric slide, the YMCA, all the things that are going on, right? You got, you got, you got that celebration. That's your picture of heaven. And it's really a happy time, you know, until you're a dad and you get the bill and you'll all, you'll be there someday. I don't have to do that this summer. I'm really happy. But one of my favorite things, it probably is for you, is to sit down with a good meal and some good friends and just share together. And one day in heaven, we'll have the opportunity to do that. So we've prepared a a banquet table, kind of like I think will be in heaven. And what do you think they serve in heaven? Of course they do. They serve bacon. Uh Uh-huh. Anybody want some bacon? I got lots of bacon up here, I'm telling you. I need to make it into like a paper airplane because it doesn't fly very good. They'll have bacon. As a matter of fact, not only bacon, Lonnie just brought me this chocolate-covered bacon. Yeah, baby. Uh, we have bacon bologna made out of, I mean, like the most unhealthy thing you can have made out of the most unhealthy meat possible, right? Oh, no, wait, I got that. A bacon hot dog. It's made out of bacon, baby. Yeah. Or, or, or let's just cap it off with the bacon maple donut. Uh-huh. We've got bacon on top. I'm not kidding you. This is my banquet table in heaven because that's what it's going to be like, right? And this is, every time you eat bacon here on earth, it's just a foretaste of what's going to happen in heaven. So, so here's what I'm doing, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of talk you around my table. Now, obviously, I would want, you know, my family to be there, but I'm going to talk about people that have gone ahead, all right? People that are already there. Let's talk about, if I, like, if I, like, I get hit by a bus on the way home, okay? And I end up in heaven. Who would I want to invite around my table? Just for yucks, okay? And I think the first person would have to be, because I've studied the Bible all my life, it would have to be a Bible character. You've got to have one Bible character. I don't know who it would be for you, you know? I mean, the thing about eternity that's so cool is you can have a million years with Moses and a million years with Elijah and a thousand lunches with Joseph and Mary. I mean, it's really not going to matter at all because you have eternity. Matter of fact, in, in Matthew 8, in Matthew 8, Jesus says, here's, here's how it's going to go. It's going to be, I say to you that people will come from the east and the west and they will take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's what's going to happen. And I, I can't wait for that. I mean, I, I want to talk to Adam. You know, what was it like the first time you saw Eve, man? I mean, that was a moment, don't you know? That was the first of the moments, you know, in, in the world. I want to hear the stories that Noah can tell us about things that, that we've never heard about, you know, the, the time on the ark and all the things that are going on. But if I had to pick one person to sit at my table, I'd have to say, at this point in my life right now, it'd be, it'd be David, okay? I'm a little shepherd's crook here to just kind of remind me of David. Why David? Well, I mean, I, I want to say, hey, dude, thank you for taking on Goliath. Thank you for your friendship with Jonathan. Thank you for respecting Saul. Thank you for dancing before the Lord, even though your wife didn't think it was appropriate. Thank you for writing the Psalms. More importantly, thank you for showing us all how much sin messes up your life. And last but not least, thank you for showing us that a person who really messed up their life could still be called a man after the Lord's own heart. 
That's, that's why I want David here. I mean, I just think he's cool. I think, I, I, I think it's perfect. And the question that we got to ask around the David thing here, the question that I get asked a lot is, are we going to have our personalities in heaven? I mean, will people know who we are in heaven? Will they recognize me? Are we going to, you know, know each other's names? And, and I think there's a couple of answers to that, all right? The first one is our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what the Bible tells us. And, uh, and so our names are going to still be there somehow. And two weeks ago, I preached about the story of Lazarus. And the, and the rich man who died and, and Jesus said, you know, the rich man looked up and he saw Abraham and he saw Lazarus and he recognized him. So there's going to be, resig- you know, there's going to be recognition one way or the other. And then there's a tra- that weird transfiguration story where, where Peter and John and some of the disciples are hanging around and all of a sudden Jesus goes up this mountain and Moses and Elijah appear there. And, and it says that, that, that Peter and John, they knew who Moses and Elijah were. Immediately. Now, they'd never met Moses and Elijah. They didn't have any pictures of them. They didn't have any, you know, they didn't know what they looked like. But instantly they knew who they were. Were they wearing name tags? Hi, my name is Moses, you know. I mean, did Jesus go Peter, Moses, Moses, Peter? I don't think so. There's something, when we get to heaven, we know each other perfectly. I'm really excited about that because I don't know if you know this or not, but I don't know your name. I really don't. Uh, I mean, you know, I am terrible at names. I know faces really, really good, but I am horrible with names. I'm like the old guy that was talking to his friend one night, and he was trying to tell him about this restaurant that he'd just been to, and so there was this really good restaurant, and he said, man, I can't think of the name of it, and he goes, he goes tell me, what's, what's the name of that flower? I can't remember. That name of that flower that has long stems and thorns, and, and, and it's really pretty, and it smells good, and the guy goes, Rose? The other guy goes, yeah, that's it. Rose, what was the name of that restaurant we ate at last week? <laughs> that's my favorite memory joke because that's me. I mean, I, it, heaven, it's not going to be, hey, man, how you doing? I mean, we're going to know each other. As a matter of fact, Paul says it really, really well. He says, now we see a poor reflection in the mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. I mean, I've lived with my wife for pushing 30 years now, and I think I know her, but every once in a while, you know what I mean? We will be fully known and we will fully know. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So that's the answer to that question, and that's David. Person number two. Person number two at my table is, um, is my question mark person. It's the person who will remain nameless because I hope they're in heaven, but I'm not really sure. I'm, I've got some of those. I'm sure you do too. You know, maybe it was my bad example. Maybe it was because they were antagonistic towards the faith. Maybe, you know, I don't know what, what went on. Maybe I only knew them for a brief moment and I don't know, but I don't know if they're there. Maybe you got those people too. And there's something within us that asks this question, um, you know, how am I going to enjoy heaven if the people that I love aren't there? Got asked this question this last week. It's like number one question that people want to know when we talk about what's going to happen after this is all over. As we prepare for eternity, you want to know that, right? I mean, how can I be happy if my family's not there, if my kids are not there? It doesn't make any sense. Do I even want to go there? And I think it goes back to the previous part of this verse. Casey helped me with this the other day. Now I see a poor reflection as a mirror, but then we will see face to face. I mean, I, I really don't think we can possibly understand everything now. And I can't really give you anything except that I trust God an awful lot. 
and I hope you do too. And, and that somehow, if God says, I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to know everything and there's going to be nothing but joy and no tears, then he's got this all figured out. And I believe that someday when we get to this point, we're going to understand his perfect justice and we're going to understand his amazing grace. And that by not somehow, we're not going to be disillusioned with who's not there. We're going to be really excited about who is there. I just think our whole perspective gets changed. Kyle Ottoman told it really, really well. He said, you know, imagine you're a kid and you're, uh, you're, you're, your favorite food is hamburgers, okay? You love hamburgers. You want to go to McDonald's or Wendy's every time you stop for whatever. Any restaurant you go to, you order a hamburger. Your favorite meal at home is when it's finally summertime and dad can grill hamburgers on the grill. You're a hamburger guy. But one day you get to junior high and your dad says, hey, son, we're going to go on a special meal for your birthday because you're growing up now and I want to take you for this special meal. I'm going to take you to Gibson Steakhouse downtown. You're going to have a steak. You're like, okay, you're skeptical, but whatever. They probably have hamburgers, right? So, so, so he takes you to Gibson Steakhouse, and there's no hamburgers. And you're like, Dad, Dad, what am I supposed to do here? And he said, just, Dad says, just, just trust me for a minute, okay? And, and so he orders something for you called a, a fillet. <laughs> and that doesn't even sound very good, right? But, but it, when it comes, it looks even worse, because you're like, there's no bun? I mean... How am I supposed to eat this? There's no special sauce, lettuce, pickles, onions. There's nothing. Where's the mustard? How am I supposed to deal with this? And Dad says, just hang on a second. And he cuts off a bite of the filet, and he puts it in your mouth. And what happens? Never think about hamburgers ever again. Immediately, McDonald's is gone from your memory, okay? We have so many questions about this, but once you understand and once you experience it, I believe that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be in the steakhouse and we're going to get all this, okay? Um, the, the question about who's not there, though, that question mark person is about the importance, and I keep bringing this back, it's about the importance of making sure that we do everything we can so that we can tell people about heaven and about Jesus so that they don't have to be question marks for us. I mean, if you're thinking of a live person who's a question mark right now, shouldn't that motivate you? To, to not let them be a question mark. I mean, it's why I do everything I do. It's why we do everything that we do around here. It's for the question marks. And if you're a question mark, it's, it's why we're here for you. Oh, my goodness. Another very, very typical question I get around here a lot is uh, about this one. Pets bowl, right? Notice it's a dog's bowl. <laughs> Just saying. Um, it, it's a, is there going to be animals in heaven? Are there going to be pets in heaven? That's what you want to know, right? I, I mean, I get this question all the time. And here's just a couple of scriptures that will help you, okay? Uh, horse lovers, Revelation 19. I saw heaven open and a white horse was there. and His rider was named Faithful and True. And the armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure linen followed him on white horses. Okay, so horses are going to be there. Are cats going to be in heaven? Well, unfortunately, the Bible says that <laughs> leopards will lie down with young goats, so I guess there will be cats in heaven, okay? Um, you know, I, calves and lions will eat together, so cat family are going to be in heaven. Uh, you know, all, obviously dogs are going to be there because it says the wolf will lie down with the lamb. All right, so, so these things are in there. What do you have there? Did you notice this? What do you have there? and cats living together, mass hysteria. Exactly. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Thank you, Bill. Here's the thing about the pets, okay? 
Um, Tom Holliday is uh, one of the teaching pastors at Saddleback. He told it great. He said he, he, goes, he and some pastors go to this school every year and do this Q&A thing. It's a Christian school, and they do Q&A for pastors. And he says, every year there's a question about animals, and will my animals be in heaven? And he said, one year there was this new guy, and uh, the new guy was like trying to be all theologically correct, you know, like, well, there's not souls in animals, and blah, you know. And finally he just comes around, and he's like, so I don't think your pets will be in heaven. And, and Tom says he's looking out this sea of first and second graders whose lips are quivering, you know, and there's tears coming to their eyes. And he said the guy leaned over next to him and said, in seminary, I learned that the answer to that question is yes. Next question. I mean, some great theologians believe our pets are going to be in heaven. God is good. So all I can tell you is yes. Next question. Um. The third person at my table is a high chair. Now, honestly, for us in the Harlow family, we, we haven't lost a baby. We didn't have a miscarriage. Um, but I've done a lot of funerals for kids that should have gotten a chance to live a lot longer than they did. And I know that most of you have experienced the loss of a miscarriage or maybe it was an aborted baby or a baby that died young or a, or a child or someone in the family. And I can think of so many little babies and so many little funerals and so many little caskets. Man, I have so many questions about that. And, and the question that gets asked about that one is obviously not are they there. I mean, we all know that the kids are there, such as the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. But what age are they going to be? Right? Are they going to be kids? What age are we going to be in heaven? People want to know that. And in the Middle Ages, they actually taught that the perfect age, the age that you were going to be in heaven was 30. Everybody was going to be 30. And I used to think that was dumb. Now, the farther I get away from 30, I'm starting to kind of like that a little bit. But, but I, I don't think age is going to matter in heaven if I could answer it that way. Randy Alcorn wrote a great book on heaven if you're looking for a book on it. And he, writes, he points to some scriptures and he says he believes that children will be able to still be raised by their families and their parents in heaven until they get to whatever age they are in that perfect world. And I, I, think, that that's, I think that that's a good idea. I like that. And we know they're going to be there. Well, um, this chair here... Next to the dog, it's going to be for Grandpa. It's going to be for my Grandpa. He loved dogs, and he was a good dude. Daryl was his name. They called him D.C. He was from Arkansas. Some pictures of him up there. Um, now you know why I might be a redneck. <laughs> That's my grandparents living on the farm, my mom's parents, and... Uh, I grew up in Oklahoma. I mean, they were in Arkansas, you know. You could take the man out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the man. Am I right? Um, so we had a Lady Antebellum song last week, a Faith Hill song this week. It's just kind of the way it goes. I can't get away from it. But my memories of, of Arkansas and visiting my grandparents are, are so precious. I mean, I don't know if you guys had grandparents on a farm, but there's just nothing like that. The haylofts, the, you know, shooting frogs in the pond, the, 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 the fishing at the, you know, in the pond, the riding in the back of the pickup truck on the way to the general store to get a grape knee high, you know, I mean, all of those amazing things. And the nights with the stars and the lightning bugs and, you know, you're not sure which way is which and... Tying, the June bugs are so big in Arkansas that we would tie strings around their legs and fly them around like little airplanes. I'm not making that up. 
they're like the size of a quarter and you could just fly them around. I mean, you had to do something. And then, it, you know, at the appropriate time, there would always be a baseball game, the St. Louis Cardinals. Way back in the day, before he went over to the dark side, we'd listen to Harry Carey, and then it was Jack Buck announcing the Cardinal games on this crappy little radio. And man, I mean, that is, that just feels like home to me. Picture a, me and my grandpa. I've always been too sexy for my shirt. That gut hadn't changed much either now that I think about it. <laughs> Do you imagine that? I mean, my, my vision of heaven and my table at heaven is, is for my grandpa to be there. Um, my memory of going home to Arkansas was driving down the dirt road, because driving down the dirt road, you know, I mean, they could see you coming for a mile. And they'd be, Grandma and Grandpa would be out on the porch, and they'd be waiting for us, and they'd see the dirt cloud come up, and they'd know that a car was coming. And before we got out of the car, they'd be up on their feet, and Grandma would be running to give me a big, sloppy, wet Grandma kiss. And Grandpa would be standing in the back, because, he, you know, he wasn't real affectionate. He'd be standing in the back with his hands in his overalls, big smile on his face. Really excited to see us. Not going to tell us much, but really excited to see us. And for some reason, it just felt like home, man. Not very many places other than that ever felt like home. And I think that in heaven, that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be a family reunion. And people ask, well, will we remember our relationships in heaven? I mean, will I even know he's my grandpa in heaven? And, you know, people point to scriptures like, well, at the resurrection, people will neither marry or be given in marriage. Jesus said that. Or, uh, see, I will create a new heavens and the new earth, and they will, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. People point to scriptures like that and they say, well, we're not even going to know our relationships. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I don't think that's ever what Jesus is saying. Some people think it's just going to be like this men in black memory swipe thing. You know, we get to heaven and, okay, everybody look at the pen and boom, and we forget everything. But, the, but look at the context of this Isaiah passage. He goes on and he says, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from our eyes. The past troubles will be forgotten. I think the memory swipe thing is, is about all the bad stuff that's happened in our life. And heaven is going to be like coming home to family in a way that we've never, ever been able to do before. It's going to be a big reunion. It's going to be a dirt cloud coming down the road, grandma and grandpa on the porch, ready to welcome you. That's, that's what it's going to be like. Matter of fact, Paul even writes about this reunion, and, and he's excited about God, but he's excited about seeing people. Listen to this. So since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, this is Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. And we can tell you with complete confidence, we have the Master's word on it, that when the Master comes again to get us, those of us who are still alive will not get a jump on the dead and leave them behind. In fact, they'll be ahead of us. The Master will give the command, Archangel, thunder God's trumpet blast, and he'll come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise and they'll go first. And the rest of us who are still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Master. Oh, we'll be walking on air. And then there will be one huge family reunion with the Master. So what does he say? So reassure one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. That's what should be exciting to us. Paul's excited about seeing God, but he's excited about seeing his family. And I think we can re really look forward to what it's going to be like to be reunited with loved ones. You've all got somebody that that chair represents in, in your heart. 
And, and, and maybe you're a guy out there and you're like, you know, not like we're getting into this nostalgia thing. Dust in the wind hasn't played for you yet. Okay, I got you on this one, all right? A clip from Gladiator. I can always get you the guys, okay? When, when Russell Crowe, who does not sing in this movie, thankfully, when he <laughs> dies at the end of the movie, he gets to be reunited with his daughter and his son who were brutally murdered. Poignant moment. Watch it. a lot of people I look forward to seeing in heaven and I look forward to being with my family in heaven I gotta be honest with you sometimes this um, pastoral ministry thing my family's gotten ourselves into is kind of a pain because we all end up in different places you know Uh, I mean I haven't lived in we haven't lived in the same state with either one of our parents our entire life it's it's hard to be away and now I got kids that are spread all over the universe and you know I mean at one point this summer I'm going to have one kid in Africa, one kid in Bolivia, and one kid in Nashville, which is a foreign country itself, as you know. (laughs) At the same time, that's where they're all going to be. And it's not easy to be separated from your family. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly that feeling. But what we have to remember, what our family has to remember, is that this world is just a camping trip. It's just a small little window. We're just living in tents, and we're going to have forever to hang out and play Scrabble or whatever it is that your family likes to do together. And right now, we just have work to do. Jesus said, we need to be energetically at work for the one who sent us here, working while the sun shines, because when the night falls, the work day is over. That, that's what motivates me. That's what motivates us. Person number five um, is a seat for Jesus. It's got to be a seat for Jesus. Put his crown of thorns here, so it kind of makes sense, Right? I love the little Truett's answer uh, on the video. I'm going to give Jesus a high, I'm planning on giving Jesus a high five when I get to heaven. And, but when I give him a down low, I'll probably miss because he's really fast, right? <laughs> in Revelation, John says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, and they will see his face. I mean, what is that going to be like to finally get to be with Jesus? To have the hands that. that that healed the lame and gave sight to the blind, put your head in his hands and give you a hug and give you a kiss. What is that going to be like? To to have the teacher who knows more than anybody ever will 
answer every question that you've ever wanted answered, to be in the presence of the holiness and the grace of Jesus Christ. What is that going to be like? My mother-in-law has Parkinson's disease, and you know she has good days and bad. And One day I wrote a blog about heaven, and um, my father-in-law wrote me back and was kind of just talking about how things weren't going so well at that point for, for Carol, for my mother-in-law, and how you know they really appreciated the blog on heaven because you know, just the older you get, no matter what, the more you start looking forward to what's going to happen on the other side. And he said, I guess heaven gets more real to us the older we get. And he said, they were singing evangelists. I mean, they did revivals and they did singing and they did television shows. They, that, that's what their whole life and ministry was. And he said, Carol and I used to sing this song called, The Longer I Serve Him, The Sweeter He Grows. And he said, you know, I guess we're getting there pretty fast. I think we all are. Can't wait to see Jesus. And the older I get, the longer I serve him, the sweeter it seems like it's going to be. One more seat left, and this one's for you. This is for you, okay? It's one seat left. I don't know you why you need to be here. I don't know your story. I'll have eternity to figure it out. But, but the reason that I exist on this planet and the reason that we all exist on this planet is because there's an empty chair at our table and there's somebody that we're supposed to help get into it. And, and it might be you. And, and the problem is when I, when I ask people, are, you know, are you going to sit in this chair someday? You know, they always tell me the same thing, right? Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, I think God is really good and, you know, I, I've done a lot of good in my life and I hope that the good outweighs the bad. And, you know, we have that same old, you know, scale discussion of how much good have you done in your life and how much bad have you done in your, in your life. And, and the problem, I want to tell you, if, if you're going to give me that answer to whether you're going to sit here or not, is that that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that Jesus had to come because we're not good enough and we're never going to be good enough. So you have to be saved by the amazing grace that we sing about a lot. And it comes through faith. And some people are like, well, it's not, you know, it's not fair. There ought to be a lot of ways to get to God. Well, you know, it's not your universe. And you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be worried about the fact that there ought to be more than one way. You ought to be excited about the fact that there is a way for you to sit in this chair. I mean, Peter said salvation comes from no other place. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And you could say that's not tolerant, but I'm going to tell you, if, if, I, if, if I found a cure for cancer and it was a pill and you had cancer, would you say, well, there's got to be something else. I mean, I, I don't want to take your pill. That doesn't make any sense. Just be happy there's a pill. Just be happy there's a way. It's a gift, people. That's all it is. It's not about being lucky. It's not about paying the price for your sin. It's not about all those things. It's about, it's about a gift. It's about what you get from God. And it's a free gift of salvation. It's not based on anything that you've done. Because we don't want you to be boasting up in heaven. Oh yeah, I got here on my own. Good luck with that. One researcher was talking about American values. He's talking about how messed up America is right now. And he called, the, he called our biggest problem the problem of incongruent values. Incongruent values. I, I was reading this. I thought, you know, this is exactly right. Incongruent values are we say we believe in something and we do believe in something, literally believe in it, but we just don't do anything about what we believe, right? So we say, yeah, health is really important to me. Well, do you eat right? No, I eat bacon, you know. 
Well, do, do you sleep like you should? Do you go to bed on time? No. Well, you know, do you exercise? No. But my health is really important to me. No, it's not. Your health is not important to you if you don't do anything about it. And as I was reading that, I thought, let, let me ask that question in light of eternity. Because if we're going to be prepping for heaven, then we ought to be figuring out this whole question. And am I living in light of eternity? I mean, if health is important, then I need to do some things to take care of my health. If heaven is important, then I need to do some things to take care of heaven. I need to be living intentionally for heaven. Does that make sense? So I ask you, are you serving people with the value of heaven in your mind? Are you giving sacrificially with the value of heaven in your mind? Are you laying up treasure in heaven? Or is it all here? Right? Are you forgiving people because you have the value of heaven? Are you praying for people because you have the value of heaven and the empty chair and the question mark? Is your life filled with hope so that you can show other people what the difference is when you have the value of heaven? Or is your life full of incongruent values? And most importantly, have you put your trust with Jesus? I mean, if, if you believe this, have you done anything about it? Have you made your reservation? Here's what I want to do for the next several moments, okay? I'm going to show you a video interview with, and you'll have to trust me on this because you probably don't know who Dallas Willard was. Uh, he passed away last week. But probably if you said, Tim, who was the guy on earth that you would say was the closest to God of any person you knew, it would be Dallas Willard. He was a writer of spiritual formation stuff. He was a professor. He was a, a, a psychology professor at USC. But he was, he was brilliant and, and so deep, it was hard to read Dallas Willard. Okay, But he was really, really in tune with the things of God. And in this interview, John Ortberg, who's his friend, is interviewing him about what is to come. And you need to understand in this interview that, that Willard's wife has already passed away and that his, he has been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And, and what he's going to talk about is, is, is what happened to him last week when he transferred from this life to the next life. And he's going to answer that question. And then there will be just a moment... With a, with a Faith Hill song just to kind of make you think about it a little bit. And then we're going to have a banquet together. Just a simple banquet, bread and juice around the Lord's table. All right, so let's do that together. It's really important uh, to understand how joy uh, cuts through everything. It cuts through everything. And to anticipate that your moment of passage from this earth will be one of great joy. Hmm. Say a little more about that. One of the questions that got texted in was just around that life and death and life beyond death. Well, uh, what Jesus teaches us is that within his presence and with his word, we begin to live in heaven now. And that's why he says, those who keep my word will never experience death, as human beings understand it. The continuity of life through what we view as death from this point of view, because we do see people die, their bodies stop working. But they continue to exist 
as the people they are in the presence of God. And I like to say I think it's true. I think many people will not realize they've died until later. And then they will recognize that something is different. I, I love that line from John Henry Newman's old song, Lead Kindly Light, where he says, And with the morning, or with the morn, those angel faces smile, that I have loved long since and lost a while. See, that, that's the continuity. And really, that's what it's talking about, is the continuity of life lived now in the action and presence of God with His people. No. Man, I mean, just listen to Dallas Willard talk about it. Just... He's like just like ready to go, and he did. And you know, we can all be sad on this side, but it's, it, he never missed a beat. I, I love what he said. I, I don't even know if I'm going to know I'm dead yet. I mean, like, oh, I'm in a different. Oh, hey, you're here. Oh, wait, I guess that means. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It's such a different perspective, isn't it? Because this is a tent, and we're going to a brick house. Made in heaven, surrounded by those who have gone before us. And, and, and we're going to have communion. And Jesus said, the, the way that you get to here is through me. Whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and it's not about what's going to happen over there. It's about what happens immediately here. I mean, I mean if, there's a, if you had a good day yesterday, if you had bacon this morning, it, it's, it's, it's because... There is heaven here on earth. I mean, we get to live in the joy of heaven now. It's just that all the other junk that keeps competing with it, it's all gone away when we get to heaven. Everything is the way that it's supposed to be. I invite you to join me in communion. I invite you to join me at my table. Let's pray. God, for all of us, I really think it's okay, Lord, that I'm not where Dallas Willard was. I really think that it's okay that I'm not ready to die. I really think it's okay that right now, if I was laying on the hospital bed and people were around me, I kind of would want them to say, look, he's moving too. Because I got stuff to do. I got people to see. I want to hang out with my grandkids. I got things. Okay? And there's heaven here on earth. And I'm supposed to bring it, and I'm supposed to take people with me up there. So I'm not, I'm not really ready to go. I'm not really ready to check out. And I think you're okay with that because you left me down here for a reason. And when you're ready for me, I'll go gladly. But in the meantime, Lord, I'm excited about the fact that someday I have that to look forward to. And I just need your help living in the moment of heaven, living in the, in the congruent values of heaven in my life. And that's what I keep missing out on. Sometimes I just get zoned in on what's going on down here. Lord, help all of us. And Lord, if there are people in this room who don't know if they're going to be sitting at that chair eating bacon with me in heaven, will you let them just realize that as this tray comes by, that Jesus offered them a place at the wedding banquet, and he offered his body and his blood to them, and all they have to do is accept it and say, Jesus, I, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Let them do that now. Let them just pray to you. Jesus, I accept this gift. I'm going to take this bread. I'm going to drink this cup. And it's going to be the acceptance in my mind of what 
you asked me to do. Lord, there are people here that need to get baptized and demonstrate what's going on on the inside. There are people in here that need to start living more with the congruent values of heaven. We all do. I pray that you'll be with us and let our lives be changed by the fact that we know that there will come a day. It might be soon. Be with us as we commune now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.